Coming to you from the Sherpa Chalet at the top of beautiful downtown Mount Podcastia, it's a special episode of Too Many Podcasts. I'm Jim the Podcast Sherpa, and today it's a special episode where I get to speak with people from the entertainment industry. So get yourself an aisle seat, pop up some popcorn, and get a cold drink ready, and sit back. Don't crunch too loud, or else you'll miss the interview from the Sherpa Screening Room. Hey there, Rebels. We made it. Season 3. Yay! Congratulations to all you little rebels of the Sherpolution who have been so helpful in listening to the show and gaining me lots of listens. And I hope that you're spreading the word on your favorite social media or just by word of mouth through your friends. And this podcast can be heard through many of your favorite podcast apps, just about all of them, or at my website, SherpaLution.com. If you're listening to this on the day of its release, you're smack dab in the middle of Hollywood week. What does that mean? It's a week, five, count them, five days of the Sherpa screening room. Monday and Tuesday, we had a two-part interview with character actor Larry Henkin. We've got today's special guest. Tomorrow, we'll be talking to Jack O'Halloran, who played the villain Nan in the first Super Man movie, and Friday, we'll be having a conversation with newcomer director Russell Rapp. But before we get to our guest, just want to remind you, today's podcast is being brought to you by Audible, and you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash Sherpa, S-H-E-R-P-A. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Now, back to my guest today. For the debut of Season 3 of Too Many Podcasts, her name is Lana Reed. You may not know her, but she's been an actress, a writer, and a director. She's also the host of a really great podcast called Beyond Garnet. Really like this lady, and you can tell we had a lot of fun doing the interview. We were making each other laugh a lot. I think I edited out a lot of laughter out of this interview, but it's definitely an interesting one. So I appreciated her coming down, and I hope that you'll be checking out her podcast too. Let's take a listen to our talk. Hello, Rebels. We are continuing with Hollywood Week. And boy, do I have a guest for you tonight. She is an actress, a writer, a director, and also the host of a podcast called Beyond Garnet. What is Garnet? We'll have to find that out. <laughs> I never can get that pronunciation right. Say hello to Miss Lana Reed. Hello there. Thank you for having me on. Okay. Is it Garnet or Garnet? <laughs> I think it depends on what your accent is like. I say Garnet. Darn it. There we go. I'm sticking with that then. I have a Midwestern twang, so. You're the first female director that I've spoken to. Now, I'm sure there was kind of a a build-up before you started doing directing of of movies. Were you an actress first or a writer first? It was kind of a combination of both all at one time. I signed with a talent agency back in 92, I believe it was, and I was doing a lot of work as an extra. Um, My first big gig. I was a, a dead body laying in the middle of a field in a black sweatsuit in the middle of July in Ohio. So that was, that was a hot gig, that one was. But <laughs> I started writing my own shorts at the same time because people were trying to create their own opportunities because there wasn't a lot of film opportunity in Cincinnati at that time. So I started writing my own shorts and then after I started writing, I started realizing that I didn't want to act in them anymore. I wanted to direct them. You've been directing for a little while, though, right? I have. I have. I started, um, well, it's been probably 
let's see, what is this? This is 2020. It's been over 15 years since I've been directing. So I started doing shorts. I did take a hiatus when I had my son. I stopped, like, all film stuff for, like, about four years. That was hard. That was rough. But, you know, it was the decision I made. But I felt like it sort of renewed my passion for writing and directing because all I had done were shorts up until that point. So when I came back, I did a few more shorts, and then some people wanted me to direct some projects for them, so I did. And then I started really getting into writing, I would say, more serious than what I ever was. And then a friend of mine came to me with a Western short story that he had written, and someone else was going to uh, produce the film, a short film. I guess they were going to take it to festivals or a competition. And... I was like, oh, I love Westerns. I used to watch them with my dad all the time. Could I read it? And he said, yeah, I'll send it to you. So he emailed it to me. I read it, and I absolutely loved it. And I said, wow, this is going to be great. I can't wait to see it when you guys get it done. So about a month later, he came back and said, hey, you want to go grab lunch? And we did. And he said, oh, you remember that that short Western? And I said, yeah. Well, they decided they couldn't do it. They could not find a place to shoot it. Because it was mostly set inside of, like, um, an 1880s uh, jail, like the sheriff's or the marshal's office or the sheriff's office with, like, a cell, with, like, an old-time 1880s cell, and they couldn't find a place. And I said, really? I said, there has to be, you know, some place that you could shoot this. And I was like, why don't you give me a shot at it? Let me see if I can find a place, and we'll do this. So we ended up doing this this big search um, and we found this authentic Old West town um, called Dogwood Pass that is here. It's about an hour and a half east of Cincinnati. And it is a 1880s replica town, full replica town. It has the church, it has the bunkhouse, it has the saloon, it has the brothel, it has the, the uh, mercantile, it has all of that stuff that an Old West boom town would have. And it's interiors and exteriors are all like period accurate and we walked into this town we contacted them we walked into this town and i looked at him and the first thing i said was you have to turn that short into a feature because there's no way i'm only going to use this location for a short film so it was it went straight from shorts to a feature western so are you partial to to westerns and dramas i am i I love Westerns, um, mostly because I used to watch them with my dad. I mean, that's probably a common story from people that, you know, from their childhood. But I, I do. I love, I love drama and I love conflict because in my real life I avoid that as much as I possibly can. So I love okay. to watch it on the screen where it's safe to watch it. It's not actually in my life. Yeah. But I most of my writing is very dramatic as well did you and your dad have a favorite western he probably has a different one than what i do but there's a western called um the man from snowy river uh, kurt douglas ah okay he played two roles in it's an i think it's an australian western it's got this really great scene where this character jim they're they're trying to round up this um they call him the mob this mob of wild horses and there's this really, you have to see it. There's this one really great scene where the, this one character that, I don't want to give too much of it away, he does this really steep 
downhill ride in slow motion. And it's the way it's shot, it's just beautiful. That always sticks in my head. I watched that with my dad when I was really, I think it was pretty young. So, yeah, we watched a lot of Clint Eastwood and, you know, all that stuff. But that's the one that sticks in my head, The Man from Snowy River. Was that the movie that maybe when you saw it, it kind of, the idea got in your head saying, well, I'd like to do something like this with my life? You know, it it may have, but I I think there are so many movies that have influenced me to want to direct. And maybe I didn't put it together at the time, but I remember even at a younger age watching a movie and dissecting it. Because now as a director, I have so much trouble watching a film because I'm like, oh, why'd they shoot it like that? I would have done this. Or, oh, I didn't didn't like the way they did that. Or, you know what I mean? It's hard for me to watch a film, and I think I did that when I was younger, but maybe just didn't connect the dots until I was older. What did you feel like your first day on on the set as a director? I was terrified. I was. I was terrified. The shorts, um, they were fine because they were... We were shooting it over a weekend. There were only a few people there. We didn't have a huge crew. It was very low budget, you know, low budget indie shorts. But when we got on the set for the Western and all of these people are in wardrobe and all of these people are standing in this saloon and we're, we're getting ready to start and I'm looking around and I was terrified. I was like, what, what if I can't do this? What if I've gotten myself in a over my head these people are going to hate me (laughs) but we got started and we got through it and I'm not happy with the film um but a lot of people like it so but I I was terrified but I got over it really quickly because I really dove into it and just absolutely loved the experience Sure, and yeah, you have like 18 directing credits so I guess it's uh, it's sticking right (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's stuck. <laughs> Are there any uh, special actors that you would like to work with that you haven't worked with yet? Well, the one that I really, really, really wanted to work with has retired, and it's broken my heart, is Daniel Day-Lewis. I loved him. He's phenomenal. Yeah. I wanted to work with Gene Hackman, but I, that's prob- I don't know if he's acting, if he's still acting or not. That would probably be a, a long shot. And I did work with Michael Pere, so I really loved that. I love working with um, the older actors. I want to see some of these older actors start making a comeback. Jessica Lange, I love her. Love her. She is phenomenal. Meryl Streep, there's a huge list. I, I guess all these yeah. movies that you do, it gives you such a different perspective as a director because you're, you're wondering about the whole logistics about everything instead of sometimes the, the movie itself, right? Yeah, um, and you know, being an, an indie director, too, is um, you wear so many hats. I mean, I would love to have the opportunity to be on a set where all I have to do is worry about directing. I've got, you know, a, a truly full crew to um, take the hats away that I should not be wearing, like I do on an indie set. Do you have any projects coming up right now in the, in the near future? Uh, I do. Um, I have a, a feature film that I'm working on um, with a producer. It's a, it's a romantic drama with a ghost. Not a, it's not a ghost story. Um, it's, it's hard to describe. It's, 
it's um, a troubled actress who is essentially told no one will give her any work. She's in her mid-40s. Um, she's kind of a rebel, been in trouble, um, caused a ruckus on set a few times, so her agent tells her, you know, disappear, take a break, go do something. She finds an old theater that um, she decides it's half-renovated. She buys it from a, a woman who's in her 90s whose family owned the theater, and she used to be an actress when she was young. And so she sells it to her to renovate. She's going to, you know, renovate this theater and flip it and then make her triumphant return to L.A. And things don't go as planned. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a great story. I'm, I'm proud of that one. I co-wrote that one with um, Brian Dobbins. He is um, a local screenwriter here in Cincinnati. Who He wrote Western World, which... Um, had a much cooler title before we got distribution. It was called A Dead Husband in a Western Town. Yeah, so much cooler. But, you know, things happen. Distribution says, ah, we want to do this. So you go, okay. You know? <laughs> so, um, but he wrote, uh, that, he wrote the feature, uh, Western, um, and he also co-wrote uh, The Ghost Light with me. Um, he wrote a, a Western series called Dogwood Path, modeled after the town where we shot Western World. And he wrote eight episodes of that. We shot a pilot um, a little over a year ago, and we're pitching that right now. That one's the first episode is complete. Trying to get that one, gain some interest and momentum on that. And I got uh, a comedy series that we're going to be shooting a pilot for here in the next month. I think that one's probably that one might be a web series is um, what we're shooting for with that one. So that's keeping you busy. And, of course, we have Beyond Garnet, which I pronounced correctly yeah. this time. <laughs> you did. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> you just started uh, the podcast in February. I did. I did. I have um, six episodes up. I do one a week. I release it every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. And um, it's fun. I, I decided to take that on because, I enjoy listening to podcasts, and I thought, this would be fun. I may not be the greatest interviewer or the greatest host, but I'm going to give it a shot. You know, I have the time, and it, it, it keeps me connected with creative people. And it sort of keeps me learning about other humans, which is huge when you're directing and you're trying to tell a story or you're acting and you're trying to create a character. You know, studying humans and their behavior is, is interesting, and I'm – had quite a few guests on that I already knew that I learned a lot from that uh, Brian was one of my guests, the writer, and I learned things about him in the 45 minutes that we talked that I didn't know about him and I've known him for 15 years. Yeah. I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy doing the podcast. So I've been very lucky with the guests that I've had on. I, I guess, you know, being a podcaster is really just almost an extension of being a director because either way you, you, you're telling a story to people. Absolutely. I get in my own head. I still do that, and I think actors do that. So maybe that's that little piece of acting that's still hanging on to me. Um, <laughs> because when I go back and I'm editing the podcast, I'm like, is that really what I sound like? Lana, been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> You've got that great accent, though. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, by the time this uh, episode will air, 
the guest that you just recently interviewed will have your your episode will probably have aired already. So I was wondering if you could share the story that you just shared with me earlier about how your dog attracted Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, such a fluke. It's just like, just like dumb luck. Um, you know, I used to watch uh, Criminal Intent with my dad. When we weren't watching Westerns, we were watching, like, you know, crime dramas and stuff. So and we used to watch Criminal Intent, and I, I think Vincent D'Onofrio is a brilliant actor. He's, like, on my list of actors that I would love to work with. And I don't know why, but I was not following him on Twitter, uh, which I should have been, which I probably don't follow half the actors that I should be following. Um, and I posted a picture of my dog. I have a Yorkie. He's about five pounds, so he's not very big anyway. Most cats are bigger than Tim. But I have this great photo of him. He's standing under this glass coffee table, and I can see him, and you can see half of my laptop. So he looks really tiny and looks like he's standing on the table next to my laptop, but he's not. He's, like, under the table on the floor. So it's just a weird perspective photo. So I shared this on Twitter, and I don't know, a few days later or a week later or so, I see that someone comments on it, you know, love this photo. And I'm like, does that say Vincent D'Onofrio? It does. Hey, it's got a blue check mark. That's bizarre. Like, why would he, how would he see that? I wasn't following him. He doesn't follow me. So immediately I was just like, hey, come on my podcast. And he was gracious enough to um, accept. And his episode actually airs on this coming Saturday, which is the 14th, I believe. Yeah. 14th of March, right. Super, super cool guy. Um, gave a lot of amazing information for actors. So I've, like, encouraged all the actors here in the Cincinnati area to listen to the podcast and I'm like I'm not just doing it for plays this is stuff that you guys need to learn trust me so yeah it was a great conversation he was very kind and generous to take his time to come onto my podcast blind luck I don't know how it happened but I'm very grateful that it did yeah I've, I've noticed you know I've spoken to a couple of actors or people who've got into the acting field and I think once they're on a podcast they're not afraid to offered that advice, you know, to kind of almost be a little like, like a podcast mentor. Yeah, I told him that when we were on there, I think one of the last things I said to him was, is, this is like an audio class for actors. The podcast is like an audio class for actors. So, yeah. yeah. I like that. That's well put. So, you know what I'm thinking? Yeah. Um, maybe we should do some research and we'll find out if Jessica Lang or Meryl Streep like Yorkies. <laughs> That's a fantastic idea. You know, and this is this is something else that I've learned. I had, um, and I don't know if it's just here in the Midwest or what, but um, Michael Pere is in our our series Dogwood Pass. Um, you know who Michael Pere is, right? Wasn't he in Eddie and the Cruisers? Yes, he was Eddie in Eddie and the Cruisers. Yeah, I love that movie. I always thought he was fantastic. Um, and I don't know how it came about, but we were talking about actors that would be great for the series. And he came up for this certain character, and I was like, oh, he would be fantastic. He would be phenomenal. And I just went, I'm going to message his manager. And everybody looked at me like, are you nuts? And I did. And he responded. 
So we went back and forth, and we came to an agreement, and Michael is in the pilot for the series. I think people around here or anywhere just need to ask. I think people are so afraid that because someone's in a movie or they're popular or or they're a celebrity or they're famous or whatever that they won't they won't do their interview or they won't be on their show. Um, you just have to ask. If you don't, it's a no anyway. Even if they say no, it was a no if you didn't ask. So you have to be bold and you have to ask. That's, that's, that's definitely good advice. And I was wondering, what, what advice would you offer for people who want to get into maybe directing? Um, you, you can never stop learning enough about people, about directing. Um, I studied with Silvana Gallardo. Um, she was a, an L.A. actress for years. She was from New York. Um, she moved to L.A., I think, when she was 18 or 19. Um, you look her up on IMDb, and she's been on every show you can, you can think of from, like, the 80s and the 90s. She was fantastic. Brilliant coach. I studied with her for about five years as an actor, but I wasn't studying with her to be an actor. I was studying with her, studying acting with her so I could be a better director. And it helped me tremendously in lots of ways. Actors are some of the most, I think, insecure people. Um, and this business is really tough. You hear no 90% of the time, if not more than that. And having a, a coach or someone who, or a mentor who is going to keep telling you, no, keep going, keep going. You're going to, you know, you're doing great. You're doing fine. You know, I think everybody needs that. So I would suggest anyone who wants to be a director, um, I think studying acting is a huge help. It's a huge asset. Um, and there's massive of masterclass. I think it's masterclass.com where you can study from all these directors, you know, online. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's smart to do. You could read books, you know, read directing for dummies. You'll learn something from it. You just, I think you have to keep reading books. You have to keep taking classes. You have to keep studying the human condition. And I think that it's a never ending process. I want to keep learning about directing until I'm no longer here so I can be better each project that I direct. And I imagine a lot of it has to do with perspective, too. I mean, as a director, you're, you're thinking in terms of the entire cast of the production, like where are they yeah. supposed to do, what are they doing, but then you have to also understand each individual actor, like what is my motivation here in this scene? Yeah. When, I, when we did the series, when we shot the pilot for the series, I had a phone conversation to begin with with every actor on the series to talk about their character. Some of them at, you know, at longer lengths than others because their characters were more prominent. I think that's important as a director to have one-on-one time with your actors for any questions that they have about their character that they want to get your perspective on. I like to give my actors freedom to develop the character the way they see it and then have a conversation with them. And I want to get their input on it just because I'm directing doesn't mean that I'm going to understand that character more than them, but I want to understand it from the way they see it as well. Absolutely, and you have to make everything gel, too. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's helpful. That's really helpful if everything can gel right along. (laughs) But, you know, all these projects, something's going to go wrong. 
so you also have to be that person that is not going to freak out. You're not going to get emotional. You're not going to get, you're going to lose your mind, you know, if, if you have to alter something. You know, because a lot of these people are, they're looking to you when something happens, you know. So you have to be prepared to handle a crisis at any time on a set. Yeah, I guess because you're, you're kind of the one carrying the torch, right? Because it'll say directed by Lana Reed. Yeah. I think that I think that's also why um, that stigma still hangs there, although I, I don't feel that I've experienced it only one time that I experienced this, but I think that I think that's why women aren't being given um, more opportunities to direct bigger films and action films and, and things like that, because I think people still think that women operate from a, a place of emotion all the time, and we don't. I would like to see more women get opportunities for the bigger films. I would love to direct um, like a war film or a military type film. I would love to do that. I mean, I'm sure that's just a challenge within itself anyway, within that genre for any kind of director because yeah. there's just so much to coordinate. A lot of the times when, when I'm doing stuff, but it's mostly the things I've done that are period related were Western. I like to try to stay as historically correct as possible like with the lingo and the wardrobe and the guns and everything. There's nothing worse than in watching a Western when somebody pulls out a pistol and it's not even a pistol that was in existence at, in that time. It ruins the authentic feel of a Western for me. It would be a lot of moving parts to do a film about a specific time frame, like a war. But, I mean, I'm sure it'd be just as, as tough as a Western, but or probably harder than a Western because there's more moving parts and lingo and date and the wardrobe and but I would love to I would I would I'm totally up for that challenge yeah I can understand what you were talking about accuracy historically uh, I had an interview yeah. a while back with an actor named Patrick Lascarbo and he was doing a movie uh, that took place in the Civil War Reconstruction era and he said you know we had to make sure that the horses that they rode were actually horses that were in the United States and you know, how they right. carried their guns, and yeah, because he, he said, if, if you're not doing it to to be accurate, I guess a lot of people probably wouldn't think about it, but a real purist would be like, what are they doing? <laughs> and you don't want that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we have a, um, I don't know if anybody's caught this, but, you know, the film's been out long enough, it's not a big deal, but we have, um, and I may say this wrong because I'm not a weapons expert, we have a theme where, the um, doctor holds his hand up and he's just removed two bullets uh, from the dead husband. And he holds his hand up and the marshal says, damn sure not 45s. But they are because we used the wrong bullet. So I'm like, okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one up. Yeah, there's a little, uh, there's a little continuity error there. Yeah. So. It was. It's funny. It's funny now because I'm like, man, that's such a flub. That's a huge flub. How did we do that? You know. But, and I'm sure someone who is like a big gun enthusiast or, you know, loves pistols and stuff from the 1880s and probably went, what? That that that's wrong. You know, if they saw the film. So. It's a good thing that you caught it, right? <laughs> oh, just yeah, we caught it. We caught it like. After the film came out, it's in the film wrong. It wasn't. It wasn't something we caught and like corrected. It's in the film wrong. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, it you know it happens. 
<laughs> hey, if that's the only thing we messed up in the 1880s and we got everything else right, I'm very proud of us. So. <laughs> as, as long as you weren't getting those tweets, I noticed there was a small error in your movie. <laughs> <laughs> Moviemistakes.com. I should check and see if we're on there. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong bullets. <laughs> Spoil yeah. the entire movie experience for me. <laughs> Do you see what happens when you have a woman direct a Western? You get the wrong bullet. <laughs> he, he goes, How you doing? I run an ammunition store. You can swing by me the next time you do another movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> when does the new episodes of Beyond Garnett come out? It comes out every Saturday at 10 a.m. Now you have a reason to get up early on the weekend to hear on the podcast. But even if you sleep late, don't worry. It will still be there. <laughs> and it's on everybody's favorite yeah. podcast apps. It's on, it's on Anchor, um, iTunes, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, I think. It's on a handful of them. I always, I, Spotify, it's on Spotify. Right, is there anything else that you want to plug so that people should know about, Lana? She don't know. Let's see. <laughs> what do we got I a little cover? I'll tell you guys about the comedy series. That's so funny. But oh, please do. I can't. I'm not allowed. I've been sworn to secrecy. Oh, know? okay. It's, uh, I can tell you what it's called. It's called The Agency. And it, um, well, I, can, I can tell you this little smidge piece. I'm allowed to say this. It's called The Agency. And it's about a gentleman who owns um, an insurance agency and about his family and his group of friends outside of the agency, but all the crazy claims that people try to make. I don't, I don't know if it's actually, if people are going to call it politically correct, but it's, uh, it's funny. No one's safe in this series. <laughs> I think as long as it's funny, then that's all you, that you need, right? Yeah. Okay. Her name, Lana Reed. She's been an actress, a writer, and more importantly, a director and the host of the podcast, Beyond Garnett. Lana, thank you so much for coming down to the screening room at the Sherpa Chalet. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you inviting me. It was fun. Lots of thanks to Lana Reed for coming down to the screening room at the Sherpa Chalet. This has been Jim, the podcast Sherpa, asking you for a little favor. Listen to this podcast, subscribe, and rate and review on your apps where you can leave a review like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or iHeartRadio. And if you can, pick an episode or two and share it on your social media pages so people are aware of the podcast that might not be aware of it already. You can follow me at Sherpalution on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Next week, we will be back with an episode of Too Many Podcasts, of course. Thanks again for swinging by. Mr. Bruce, if you can please show everyone the door. Ladies first, of course. Thank you, sir. See you next time. Viva la Sharpolution! Thanks for listening to Too Many Podcasts. Please disperse. You can go home now. I said you can go home now. Viva la Chapalition! Viva la Chapalition! <coughs> oh. Yeah, I'll come back now, you hear? <laughs>